0: Yo, it's the South Southside's own Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Oh, a press Deep into the night. And a two-round homer for
1: Pius. We're getting in. 13-yard gain here on fourth down. And right now, not looking good. So this going to run it.
0: Jake Henry, chase, he drop, the number yard line, Roquan, the chef, Smith. <laughs> Roquan Smith, he's the highlight show of this defense. In the ring,
1: Steve has got him up, a slam, but Clare hits our play to one, two, got he it, he's got it!
0: and has done it, has done it. It. it! And there it goes, Abreu massacres this ball to left center field! <laughs> Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app.
2: Our number two. It's Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. I'm Chris Black along with Adam Abdallah sitting in for Jonathan Hood tonight. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam A. and at Chris Bleck. We're live from the First Midwest Bank Studios on State Street in downtown Chicago. We are here till 9 o'clock tonight. We are open for business and your phone calls at 312-332-3776. We will also get back to you on Twitter throughout the show. So tweet us. We will get back to you throughout the show. Lots to do this hour, Abdallah. We will preview the college football weekend right here. We'll hear from Jason Fitz from ESPN. We'll hear from the head coach of the Minnesota Golden Gophers, who won last night. Uh, P.J. Fleck, he will join us in a couple of minutes. We will also hear from Dan Rubenstein from the Solid Verbal Podcast. And at 830, we will talk with Colin Wilson from the Action Network. We will get you set for your plays that you're going to want to make tomorrow and the rest of the weekend as the first full weekend of college football is upon us here it is glorious and tomorrow we kick off season number two of chicago's college tailgate
3: it's gonna be you jonathan hood and myself noon tomorrow high noon let's do it high noon what up till 2 30 walking you into that that old old matchup of alabama and duke no teams Old have matched matchup. up more oh. than the powerhouses of football than Alabama and Duke. When you think the 150th year of college football, yes. you think Alabama and Duke. But no, uh, yeah, Alabama and Duke, you can hear that game right here on ESPN 1000. What um, are you doing over there? And You can watch it on ABC, and then right after that... Uh, The marquee game of the weekend, probably, is going to be Auburn and Oregon. And then, not only that, guess what? It's a holiday weekend. So there's college football on Sunday. And then, there's even more college football on Monday. And you can hear ESPN's Chicago's College Tailgate once again at 3 o'clock till 6 o'clock, leading you right into the final game of the weekend. That would be Notre Dame and Louisville. I gotta give you props there. You almost broke twice, and you you powered through. Never, it. That was, man. that was well done. Never. You never uh, break. You just stumble.
2: And yes, it, it'll be interesting to see if Notre Dame on Monday, if they can uh, get that defense that was 13th in scoring defense last year back to that point because the defense really carried the way. And then we'll see if Ian Book uh, improves again for Chip Kelly. I uh, mean, for Brian Kelly and the Notre Dame Fighting well, Irish. Chip Kelly's got his uh, own problems. Chris. Yeah, he certainly does. <laughs> uh, uh, tough schedule for Notre Dame. This season, they have a few tough road games at Michigan, at Georgia, at Stanford at the end of the season, at Louisville to kick things off on Monday. The coverage starts at 3 o'clock. Jonathan Hood, Chris Black, Adam Abdallah, Chicago's college tailgate. Mm -hmm. So we'll have a full Notre Dame pregame show. On Monday's show. And tomorrow we will talk a lot about Northwestern and Stanford. One of the games that you didn't mention uh, in your long intro about the the college football weekend. I mean, this is a huge spot for Northwestern. Going out West, playing Stanford. Right now, Stanford is a six-point favorite in this matchup from Caesars in Las Vegas. Three o'clock game on Fox. You know, Northwestern has tripped up the last couple of years in September. This year, September is very difficult for the Wildcats. They improved and bounced back last year. They get to the title game, the Big Ten title game, and it's going to be interesting to see if Coach Fitch and the Cats can figure this out, actually get a good quarterback in there, and if they can take down Stanford, which is a smart team, and I'm not just saying that because the school is smart, but, like, really, Northwestern Stanford, both of their brands of football, is pretty smart styles of football. And, and David Shaw is one of the best coaches
3: in all of college take football. Take the under in that game. Yeah, the problem with Northwestern's schedule, Chris, is six out of their first seven games are against ranked opponents. So they get Stanford, then they get UNLV. Remember, they lost week two of the season last year. And then you've got Michigan State, Wisconsin, Nebraska, and then you end with Ohio State. Granted, it's a home game but you get the buy-in between, but ultimately that's... And then you have Iowa as well. That's a lot of ranked opponents. That's a ton of ranked opponents in this schedule. I just don't... Northwestern's always going to have the defense. That defense is always going to play tough. Betters traditionally like Pat Fitzgerald because he always plays games close. He's always in every game. He's going to be in that Ohio's The fifth-ranked Ohio State game. He's going to be in the game against Iowa the week after that. He, they're going to be in most of these games because of their defense. I just don't know how they're going to score the football. I don't see... Because especially against the defense that they're playing, Ohio State's going to be better on defense. They were porous at times. You could get, remember we saw the Ohio State last year, how they would go out to a big lead. They'd be up 21, they'd be up 35. And then all of a sudden teams would start to creep back in late in games. Michigan State's going to have a tough nose defense. They're uh, up 25-7 to against Tulsa right now in their opener. Wisconsin's going to have a better defense. Nebraska's going to have a good defense. All these teams have good defenses. I don't know if the offense can keep up with these other teams' offense, though. Some
2: of the numbers on Northwestern last year, they were 100th in the country in points per game, 24.2 points per game. They were 120th rushing the football last year on offense, and they were the 59th passing team in college football. Last year, like Abdallah said, they were 7-6 against the spread, and they are 4-1 against top 25 teams against the spread. So betters do like the Wildcats because they keep games close, but if you are a Northwestern fan and you want wins over losses, sometimes, even though keeping it close is great for those trying to make money, uh, Northwestern usually finds a way to lose some of these close games as well. So we'll see if Northwestern, tough game to start the season, and then hopefully they don't trip up early in September here as we kick off the college football season. Mm-hmm. Earlier this week, Abdal and
3: I got a chance to talk with Jason Fitz from ESPN to preview the college football season. Is this the year that Jim Harbaugh finally takes Michigan to a college football playoff? I don't
1: think so. You know, and I want I want to think so because it'd be great for college football. You know, but but ultimately, Clemson's got a cakewalk schedule. Clemson's just going to be able to moonwalk in. They're barely even going to have to sleep, and they'll get into the playoff. That one's pretty easy. Alabama's got a little bit tougher road. So if, if we know those two place, those two spots are set. Michigan is going to have to do what they haven't done before, which is beat all of the teams in their conference that they just can't seem to get beat. You know, and even when they do that, it's still going to have to be prevalent. Oklahoma is going to be a very good football team, and Jalen Hurts is going to step in and be yet another big quarterback. And there are a lot. There's a lot of attention on the quarterback play in the Pac-12. Like, there's going to be better teams this year than we expect. So you'd be asking Michigan to not only run away with the Big Ten, but also to be standout better than everybody else that's asking a lot out of jim harbaugh considering he just hasn't done it and when he doesn't do it this year there's going to be a very fair question about what reasonable expectations should be for harbaugh moving forward
2: jason fitz joining chris black and am here on espn 1000 and the espn app. notre dame last year they lost to clemson clemson rolled over them uh, but they returned their quarterback Ian book what do you think of the fighting irish hanging into this season
1: you know, I, I get the opportunity to work with Mike Michael Jr. a lot, and he's been really honest and open about the fact that not only is this Notre Dame team probably a little less talented top to bottom than last year's, but more so the fact that they got rolled again in the playoffs is significant because this isn't a team that gets the benefit of the doubt from a conference championship. They don't get the benefit of the doubt anymore because now twice they've been rolled in the playoff when they actually have to play the best of the best from the rest. So, Uh, I I think the committee and themselves are going to have a hard time separating this year's Notre Dame from what they've seen in the past, and that's going to keep them out of the
3: playoff. We keep mentioning Clemson and Alabama. Is Georgia not getting enough respect from people? You are
1: so right about that. And look, Georgia's got to win one game. I mean, ultimately, I know we know Georgia's got to get their way through the East. Florida's going to be better. I understand all of that. DeAndre Swift is going to be a spectacular player. I mean a spectacular player this year and he's going to come in and crush it at the running back position for Georgia. Georgia is capable of beating Bama. they just got to find a way to get it done. And if they get it done, that again, these are the things that Harbaugh is scared of because, my God, if Georgia turns around and beats Bama in the SEC championship game, do we really think that we won't just have two SEC teams in the playoff? I mean, thats I don't think that's unrealistic, and Georgia can absolutely do it. It's just hard to bet against Bama because, let's face it, if any of us today had to bet our house, Bama or Georgia – we're all going Bama, right? Like That's just the way the the odds always play.
2: Yeah. Is uh, this finally the year that Texas is back? Is this finally the year that Texas (laughs) is back in the conversation for a championship?
1: I I, I guess. You know, it's funny. Like, I should be more passionate about Texas because, my God, Ellinger can play, right? We know they've they've got the ability. Tom Herman has turned them around far quicker than any of us thought that he would be able to. But, man, there's just sort of this... This moment for me, where I, I don't know, I, I just haven't bought in 100, percent and I think Oklahoma is still a better football team. So you know, it, it's going to be a it's going to be a dog fight between them, but I still think Oklahoma is a better football team. But
3: to- besides the top teams that we've mentioned, what's the one team that you're most looking forward to watch this season?
1: I think Oregon has a ton to prove. Like Justin Herbert would have been the top overall quarterback to a lot of people. And some people think he still has a shot of being the second overall quarterback because we all know that's going to be Tua in the next draft. Uh, Oregon's got a lot to prove. Uh, and I think or- Oregon also has a lot of talent. that can put up a bunch of points. And there is sort of this sentiment that the Pac-12 got better. And, and as the Pac-12 continues to get better, it's only going to give more love to the team that stands out. I think Oregon has a real shot to at least keep the conversation going longer that we should be paying attention to West Coast football.
2: That's Jason Fitz. He joined us earlier this week, previewing the college football season. You can see his coverage on game day uh, throughout ESPN's coverage, and then also you can catch him on Goldick and Wingo each weekday morning right here on ESPN 1000 starting at 5 a.m. I'm Chris Bleck with Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Last night in the Big Ten, Abdallah, uh, Minnesota, they win a close one to South Dakota State, 28 to 21. Uh, I was not happy with this situation because I had money on Minnesota to cover by more Aww. than the eight and a half. Uh, and they, they did not because they only won by seven. And the 14 points in the third quarter by the Jackrabbits of South Dakota State really uh, got to me. Uh, but uh, P.J. Fleck in year three uh, at Minnesota, trying to figure it out and put things together as uh, the Golden Gophers. Can he row the boat up there in Minnesota? You and I uh, at the final four. Got a chance to talk with P.J. Fleck. Here is P.J. Fleck at the Final Four. And and when we started the conversation, uh, I asked him how great was it that the Final
4: Four was in Minneapolis, hometown for the University of Minnesota? Well, absolutely. I mean, every sport team in the state of Minnesota has Minnesota before it, right? And uh, we're all one. This is what's unique uh, about where we have our university. You know, we're three miles from the Twin City area. You you know, from Minneapolis, you've got our, our state capital, five miles southeast of us. Um, you've got all the resources of an eighteen Fortune five hundred companies right around you, uh, sixty thousand person Big Ten campus, uh, and there's always something to do. I mean, the Super Bowl is here last or this past year. Final fours here. Thinking about going to school, right in that area where you can just walk to it. Uh, that, that's pretty special. So there's a lot of resources around here. It's a phenomenal place to live, a phenomenal place to go to school, and um, and definitely be the head football coach for sure.
3: How would you think your team did last season?
4: Well, I think we're developing. We're growing. You know, um, we're the youngest team in America. You know, we started Big Ten play 0-4, just like we did at Western Michigan. We weren't very good in year two, and then all of a sudden, boom, it hit. Uh, we beat um, Indiana uh, basically on one of the last second plays, and that, spot, that, that, that hit that, that was the mark that kind of turned us around. And uh, with you know we started eight freshmen on offense, and the, that's not a good formula to have when you're in the Big Ten play. You want to play with experienced guys, but we couldn't. And uh, next thing you know, we beat Purdue and beat them pretty good. And then we lose to Northwestern at home, and then we go beat Wisconsin for the first time in 15 years straight, and then first time in 27 years at Camp Randall, and then all of a sudden you know we go win our bowl game by the largest margin of victory in program history, which is not something you're going you're gonna to get a reward for or a trophy for, uh, but it's something that's really big in our program that you win the last four out of five. and and do something really special and that springboard you into know, this year which now we're the second youngest team in the country so we moved up one slot <laughs> where basically 80 percent of our team are still freshmen and sophomores but we're very talented recruiting is going very well especially in the state of illinois um, you know that's where i'm from and and um, you know chicago's been really good to us as well as the entire state pj fleck
2: head coach at minnesota joins us right here on espn 1000 i'm chris black with adam abdallah okay so you mentioned the wisconsin win the georgia tech win it's fantastic In the offseason, you and the coaches, do you guys sit down and look at the losses more or do you look at the tape from the wins, especially those too late, and say, this is what we can build off of or do we need to correct the mistakes that happened in the games that we lost last season which helps the program go forward better is it is it the end of the season the wins or is it those losses in the middle
4: it's an entire body of work right because the start of the season start of the season end of the end and everything in between is the in between is the middle and you've got to get better at every phase right but i think the more important part is why did we lose or why did we win more games in basketball more games in football are lost and they are not won And so how did we lose those games? And how did we almost lose the ones we won? And then be able to take that in a, and it sounds like a negative way, but it's done in a very positive way. Uh, of how we can be able to find a way to win. I mean, last year we were the youngest team in America, so we knew we were we were going to have a rough year or at some point. But ended seven to six. I so wouldn't call that rough at Minnesota. Um, of where we're going, but we looked at you know how how are games won, and we use this thing called seventy eight percent. And everybody walks around our building is like, "What's seventy eight percent? You want them to work seventy eight percent and not a <laughs> hundred? Like what are you doing?" Um, there's three stats in football over the last fifty years, NFL and collegiate football. When you have the youngest team, you got to give them these stats. The turnover margin, right? The missed tackle battle, and then the explosive play battle. If you win all three of those, you're going to win 78% of the time in that game. Well, over the year, when we won all three, we were 7-0. and When we lost all three, we were 0-6. So... It turned out perfectly, here's how you win, boys. It doesn't matter about this, 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 and this, but these are the things directly tied to winning. So let's focus on how we can get these things better, right? Whether it's simple, comes back to blocking and tackling and ball security. And that's what football's about.
3: So you're here for the final four. Obviously, there's more than four to get to four. In college football, there's only four. Do you right. think that they should go to a bigger playoff format?
4: Well, I think that's one of the questions that everybody's asking. I'm one of those people that think if, if, if it's not broke, don't fix it. No, 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 break it. And then if it comes back the way it needs to come back and it's the same, then at least you broke it to find out if it needs fixing. And I think that's what we're doing. Yeah. I, I think that's what the NCAA is doing right now. They're, they're open to a lot of things to hear. But um, I like the way it is. I really do. And I'm even a guy that comes from the group of five. Um, I like the way it is. I even said when we were 13-0 at Western Michigan, we didn't deserve to be in the national championship based on our our schedule um, going through. And I I think playing in a power five schedule is a little bit different uh, week in and week out. Uh, But, again, I I think at some point it probably will change. But the Final Four has been the Final Four for a long time. And uh, there's a lot of people who maybe want to see that expand or see more teams enter. But now we're talking about with football, that's another week. That's another class conflict. That's another this, this, this. Is that good for the student-athletes? Sometimes we just look at, okay, what's good for TV? What's good for money? What's good for ratings? But these are still student-athletes, right? And if we're going to do that, then we better look at how we treat just a student-athlete as an amateur versus uh, an actual professional. P.J. Fleck from
2: Minnesota joining us here on ESPN 1000. Okay, so you mentioned it, strength the schedule. I have a Alabama football fan sitting next to me right here, and the thing that comes up with strength the schedule is that Alabama doesn't challenge themselves enough throughout their schedule outside of the SEC. Do you think that teams in the SEC and across the country are challenging themselves enough to get prepared for the season and to compete in that conversation of getting into the Final Four? Because the, the Big Ten schools do a good job of Having outside competition early in the season, and to not play the quote cupcake teams.
4: Yeah, well, I, I you know, I, I was a cupcake team at one point at right. one and eleven, and then we didn't become a cupcake cupcake team in, in, in three years. So, you schedule so far out in advance, you don't know who's really going to be good at that point, who's not. Uh, But I'm a huge advocate of everybody being on the same level of nine-game conference schedule. I'm a huge advocate of that. We talk about non-conference. We talk about scheduling this person, that person. If we go to nine games, I think it solves a lot of issues uh, because you can compare apples to apples. I think sometimes right now we're comparing apples to oranges, um, and I I don't know if that's necessarily fair. Do I think one game in conference can make a difference? Yes, because there's your extra game that you're talking about. But um, but whatever rules there are people are always going to tip those scales to hopefully favor them the best they possibly can if you're going to play a big time game against a big time opponent out of conference you see it it's usually at the beginning of the year right because teams feel they can recover at the end enough with the body of work to still get in you rarely see that at the end of the year so um but again i'm a huge advocate of nine games i just think to be able to put people in a playoff where it's selected uh, and it's the best four teams. It's not ranked one through four. It's the four best teams. Um, and then you're talking about conference champions, not conference champions. I think nine games would clear it up. It's cleared it up a lot in the Big Ten, I think, uh, with the nine games. We're obviously on in Chicago. What's it like recruiting
3: in the Midwest and trying to bring those kids to Minnesota?
4: Well, you know, we're, we are in the Midwest, and that's where we're going to focus the first and foremost is the Midwest. And so, uh, you know, I'm from Chicago. I'm from Illinois. We focus a lot in that area. But we like to look at also the eight-hour radius around the Twin City area. And then we'll go national for who we need to go national with. But um, it's a huge part of our lifeline. It's a huge part of what we do. We've got so many Midwest kids on our, uh, on our football team, and uh, we're proud of that.
2: Coach, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it.
4: Yeah, I appreciate you guys. Row the boat, scatty mile, go first. Thanks a lot. Todd.
2: P.J. Fleck, Minnesota head coach. We talked to him at the Final Four. Chris Bleck and Am Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. We were up in Minnesota. We got a chance to talk with P.J. Fleck. He wins last night, so we replayed here on ESPN 1000. Abdallah, let me ask you this question. Uh, the Big Ten Network tweeted this out earlier today. Which Big Ten player is the best chance to win the Heisman Trophy? They put a poll out there, and here are the options they give. Adrian Martinez, from Nebraska, the quarterback. Shea Patterson, the quarterback from Michigan. Justin Fields, the quarterback from Ohio State. And Jonathan Taylor, the running back from Wisconsin.
3: I think that Jonathan Taylor is going to be the uh, most electrifying and best player at his position, so it's probably going to be him because there are too many other quarterbacks that are better than Michigan's quarterback and then and Justin Fields from Ohio State and Shea Patterson and Justin Fields. So I think it's Jonathan Taylor Thomas for sure.
2: Uh right now Wisconsin about ten seconds till uh halftime in their game against South Florida tonight. The nineteenth ranked Badgers are up twenty one nothing. Right now as they head towards halftime, uh, Taylor has 14 carries, 80 yards, one touchdown on the mm-hmm. evening. He also has one uh, reception for a touchdown as well. Two touchdowns
3: right. for Taylor
2: uh, so far for the I think he 've an
3: invitation to the Heisman Award Show, but it's ultimately a quarterback award now. It is a quarterback award, but I think if any
2: running back in the country is going to have a chance... I think it's going to be Jonathan Taylor, just based on what numbers he's put up to this point in his career as being a junior and what he's done to this point. Mm -hmm. I think last year, the 16 touchdowns he had, the 2,100 yards, and then uh, so far tonight, he has two touchdowns already as Wisconsin's up 21-0. If you take a look at the other names, you know, Shea Patterson from Michigan, if Michigan can go undefeated, and they can get to the college football playoff. I think Shea Patterson will be in the conversation. I don't think so because
3: really? yeah, because Clemson's going to go undefeated, so it's going to be uh, it's going to be Clemson's award to lose, right? And then you've got Alabama to Atunga So ultimately, he's going to be there as well. You've got Justin Herbert, who's going to be there as well. There's just too many quarterbacks already there. You've got Trevor Lawrence, you've got Tua Tunga Viola, and Justin Herbert. You've got three quarterbacks already there, and then you've got Jonathan Taylor there. So you've got. That's already four people. How many people are we inviting to this thing?
2: The voting that responded to the tweet put out by the Big Ten Network, 34% voted for... Justin Fields as what? the number one option. <laughs> they, all, are yeah. they all
3: from Wisconsin?
2: Jonathan Taylor uh, voted for uh, 24%. Uh, yeah. Shea Patterson, 18 Adrian all Martinez, 22%. Has voted in this poll. Yeah, for Justin Fields. Chris Black and I'm Abdallah here on ESPN 1000. We get you set for the college football weekend. Coming up next, we talk with Colin Wilson from the Action Network. Where should we be placing our bets this weekend? Colin will help us out. Coming up next, Black and Abdallah in for Jonathan Hood right here on ESPN
3: 1000.
2: Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Chris Black and Adam Abdallah singing for Jonathan Hood tonight on Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam A. and at Chris Bleck. We're live from the First Midwest Bank Studios on State Street in downtown Chicago. Abdallah, tomorrow we kick off Chicago's college tailgate noon tomorrow we will talk college football with you and and here's the best part of the show it's really just three friends hanging out on a saturday and that that's the way we like it and that's the way it is and uh, we're bet we're glad
4: to
3: be back for a second season yeah absolutely i love talking college football you love talking college football Jonathan hood loves talking college football so we talk college football with each other, and it's more, yeah, we're going to break down Notre Dame, we're going to talk Northwestern, Stanford, but we're going to have big-picture college football conversations, whether it's about Clemson, Alabama, the playoff, all that kind of stuff, because, you know, people think that, oh, why should I watch college football if it's ultimately just going to be Clemson and Alabama again? Well, it could not be. You can have teams that surprise you all the time. There's Oklahoma. Each team has a unique storyline, and it's great watching these unique storylines play out Week to week.
2: Well, yes. And and you're even talking about just alone in the SEC, you know, Georgia, LSU, Florida. Those three teams have the ability to get to a college football playoff. Mm -hmm. Will they? I don't know. Uh, But I think along the way, we will find out. Obviously, Georgia and Florida will play each other. So one of those teams will knock the other one out. Mm -hmm. That's the intrigue. And that's why we appreciate and love college football so much. And, you know, tomorrow we get the the games um, on ESPN 1000. You'll hear Duke and Alabama. Alabama last year in the national championship game, they got wasted yeah. by Clemson. And, and you're a huge Alabama fan, that's but like as Alabama sets its, si- its sights on this season, you know I like Nick Saban and the Crimson Tide as an underdog. Mm. And I get that they're still favorites in the grand scheme of things in college football, but they have something to prove. And I think that's that's a tasty uh, uh, item to did keep see, your eyes on. Did you
3: see the clip uh, going around from yesterday, Coach's Show? Where he's swearing on the radio and yelling at players through the radio already, yeah. talking about yelling at, at teams from the other team, uh, players from the other team. There is there are two teams that I would never want to face with a chip on their shoulder. That's the Patriots and that's Alabama. Those two teams, when they have something to prove, when you doubt Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, that's when they put up points and don't stop. That's when Alabama does that to you too. So I don't know. We're going to talk to Colin Wilson right here, but that spread looks a little tasty.
2: That's Adam Abdallah. I'm Chris Black. We're singing for Jonathan Hood tonight on Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Let's talk with Colin Wilson from the Action Network. You can follow him on Twitter at underscore Colin one and Colin as we uh, kick this conversation off. We're talking about Alabama and Duke tomorrow and last season Alabama was a great cover in the first quarter in the first half and their offense put up points like we've never seen before in college football. Do you expect the same from Alabama's offense this season?
0: I expect Alabama's offense to put points on the board. Whether their defense can stop people from putting points on the board is really going to be the focus on tomorrow's game, especially with the injuries that they've had in the linebacker unit.
3: So ultimately Nick Saban, there's a tale of two Alabama teams here. They're 10 and one against the spread in these, in these college football openers in the last 11 games. But also Saban is 11 and 22 against the spread when he's favored by 30 or more points. So which one is going to give tomorrow?
0: Yeah, I I think the streak of fading Nick Saban, especially when he's non-conference, uh, if you look on the Action Network, we have we have something called Bet Labs. If you look in there, when he's facing non-conference opponents and he's favored by more than 28, I think his record is somewhere around six and 16 against the spread. It's not good whatsoever. And the thing is, I think he's more in the in the in the mindset of mentally preparing his team for the SEC schedule, or maybe he's doing that Citadel game type thing where they were uh, tied at halftime last year, but. It's just a different mindset, a different week of practice, a different goal in the weeks when he faces non-SEC teams uh, with, with huge point spreads.
2: Colin Wilson from the Action Network talking with Chris Bleck and Adam Abdallah. Getting you ready for your Saturday of gambling right here on ESPN 1000. Okay, Colin, the big game here in town for tomorrow will be Northwestern traveling out to Stanford. What do you see from this matchup? Stanford's a favorite by six.
0: I, I hate to continue what happened last. Northwestern beat me every single week in Vegas last year. They surprised everybody. Uh, Clayton Thorson. Uh, it. There's a lot of turnover on the roster, and the biggest part where Northwestern has turnover is in the secondary and in the back seven. Uh, they lose plenty of guys that are going to have issues with what Stanford has at wide receiver. KJ Costello is fantastic. He did have all these options at Stanford that were six foot seven, six foot six. Uh, Now we have a wide receiving core at Stanford that is more the 6-1 but the speedy version. So I think you're going to see Stanford speed it up. I think you're going to see them attack the secondary a lot. I'm on Stanford minus six. I think it's up to six and a half, maybe seven by the time we get to game time. But it's the Northwestern secondary. Uh, And some of the questions with Hunter Johnson going on, like uh, we didn't win the starting job. He could be splitting time. There's a lot of questions with Northwestern as to where – We kind of know that uh, Stanford's going to attack that secondary, and that's why most of us, at least everybody that I talk to, and my own money is on Stanford minus six.
3: The marquee game of the night and probably of the weekend is Auburn and Oregon in that neutral site game tomorrow night. Oregon has the better quarterback. Bo Nix is a true freshman coming in to start for Auburn. Oregon has Justin Herbert. They're a a three-and-a-half-point dog right now. How do you see that one?
0: Yeah, I think that's what fuels a lot of people to step up to the window and take Oregon. Uh, You're going to give me points. You're going to give me Justin Herbert. uh, You're going to give me uh, an offensive line that's one of the best in the country, and they all return. I think what people are not paying attention to, I mean, I know Bo Nix is a true freshman. I think what people aren't paying attention to is there's a new defensive coordinator for Oregon. Uh, He has a very complex defensive scheme. It's not just a 3-4 scheme. He's going to bring... He's got one kind of a wild card player that could turn this into a three-three-five, 3, three five, uh, a 2-6-3. Uh, They've got all kinds of formations and, and schemes and blitzing mechanisms they're going to put on them. So Gus Malzahn came out on his Monday presser, and he said flat out, I am ready to adjust, whether it's going to Joey Gatewood as my, as my second-string quarterback or the play calling that I have with Bo Nix, I'm ready to adjust my play calling to be able to beat Oregon. So what that tells me as a gambler and what that tells me as a better is I like Malzahn over Cristobal overall as a head coach. That's the person I want to put my money behind. But Oregon may get the lead early on. If I'm alive better, that makes it even better. Maybe I can get Auburn at a better price. But I trust in this Auburn uh, defensive line. Uh, two of their guys are going to be drafted in the first round of the NFL draft. Uh, Herbert's going to be under pressure the entire game. And I like the in-game changes. Malzon is, is just – his reputation far outweighs what Cristobal is. We don't know if Cristobal can win away from Austin. Uh I think he's 5-13. and 13. It's just – it's not good to back Oregon away from home. Uh, I'll be looking to play in-game and before the game on Oregon. I'm sorry, on Auburn. Let me make that clear. <laughs> Fading Oregon.
2: Auburn's the pick. Got it. Colin Wilson from the Action yeah. Network with Chris Black and Adam Abdallah here on ESPN One Thousand and the ESPN app. Early game on ESPN: uh, Nebraska and South Alabama. Nebraska is the favorite by thirty-six. A lot of people, Colin, are looking at Nebraska to, to kind of rise up in the Big Ten West. Do you like Nebraska coming into this season?
0: I do like Nebraska. Uh, the, the the problem with Nebraska is the depth on the defensive side of the ball. Eric Shenander runs a three-four of his own. And he likes to run a lot of blitzes. Uh, he has uh, complex schemes that uh, last year's defense didn't really grasp. Uh, I, I like what they have on the defensive side of the ball, but everybody that's a Nebraska fan they will admit to you we are a little thin at linebacker. We are a little thin in the, in the secondary. If they take any injuries whatsoever in those key areas, uh, they're going to be in trouble on defense. And you know that I mean, if those happen before, say Ohio State comes to town, that's going to be a real problem. Do I like them to win the division? I don't. I'm actually watching Wisconsin right now. Uh, and I'm watching Jonathan Taylor just run crazy on South Florida, and Jack Cohn is looking okay at quarterback. He's looking at least you know decent at quarterback. Uh, you know I, They have the depth, and they have it in the trenches to actually win the division. I love Nebraska. I think next year is not where we look at them to win the Big Ten. We look at them to win the National Championship. But this year, the depth on the defensive side, specifically in the back seven, is what scares me with Nebraska
3: there are certain things that i love to bet on regardless of the teams regardless of what's going on it's it's late night overs (laughs) and i'm going to talk about the two oklahomas so tonight you've got oklahoma state and oregon state the total in that game is 74 and then on sunday night you've got houston and oklahoma the total in that game is 80 convince me to not bet those overs
0: Well, it's hard because I've been trying to convince myself. right? <laughs> <laughs> it's just fun, right?
2: Yeah, it is.
0: Yeah, I mean, I love it. So let me say this: so my projections for as far as as far as totals for the game, when I came up with an Oregon State and Oklahoma State projection, it came out to fifty-seven. That is way short of where the market is hanging around seventy-one, seventy-two. But you know, you have to realize if you look a little bit deeper that Oregon State can actually run the ball. They're one of the most effective uh, rushing units in the nation. And Oklahoma State has a smoking crater. Is there a terrible front seven as far as rushing defense. They can't tackle anybody. So that's a problem. On the flip side of the ball, the Pokes went out and got Princeton's offensive coordinator, Shaw Gleason. If you don't know, on an SDS level, he averaged 47 points per game last year. He's been brought in to complement Gundy and Gundy's offense. So I can't talk you into an under tonight. That's going to be a game where I just sit back and watch, make notes for the rest of the season. The oklahoma Houston one, I think I can talk you into an under. I'm looking at 80s across the board. There's some 79 halves out there. I would, I'd definitely say get 80, whatever a key number is with a total that high. I would say try to get the under there. And that is because Holgerson is trying to take designed runs out of Houston's game plan. So anytime you see Derek King run for Houston, it's going to be because he's under pressure in passing situations. And then Oklahoma, we all know what Oklahoma is. And Jalen Hurts is not Baker Mayfield. Jalen Hurts is not Kyler Murray. There are going to be designed RPO plays like what he had at Auburn. Now what I'm talking about here is you hear Derek King on the ground, you hear Jalen Hurts on the ground, and when you're rushing the ball, that burns the clock. So I do like the under. I project that game out about 74 But if you can get under 80, I think it's good to go. Now hold on to, you know, put a seatbelt on because it's, it's gonna be fast. (laughs) but I do like the under in the Oklahoma game more than
2: I do the Oklahoma State. Colin Wilson from the Action Network talking with Chris Black and Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. You know, we know how it goes for the first weekend of college football usually. There are heavy favorites going against teams that have no shot. Is there a team that you look at and you say that point spread and that underdog is definitely going to catch the, the, favorite, the heavy favorite tomorrow that, that we have, you know, either a Michigan or whoever you have, uh, a team that's favored by a lot of points and you're looking at and say uh the the teams are actually closer than than people think
0: i think there's two games and i'll be brief uh there's two games (laughs) we'll go hopefully we get a sound bite out of this but there's two games i think we really need to watch georgia state is plus 26 at tennessee uh tennessee has taken a lot of hits in their secondary and georgia State's strength is their quarterback and all the targets they return in their wide receiver unit so watch out for that game by the way the head coach of Georgia State, the offensive coordinator of Georgia State, they're back together again, working together. That's the same combination when Appalachian State went up to Michigan and beat them a, a long ago. It's the same coaching staff. They know how to go into a big, big arena and get it done. So keep your eye on Georgia State. Smart the 26. And then I'm just going to say, if Ohio State can't figure out how to stop explosive plays, Lane Kiffin is coming to town with an offense that can have explosive plays. So I know that spread is 27 and a half, but you want two huge dogs that may give a little bit of a scare, I would go with the Owls. I would look at the Panthers of Georgia State.
3: See, you found my other thing that I love to bet on. It's Lane <laughs> yes, Kiffin. I yes. love betting on Lane Kiffin. <laughs> well, I, I think what we're going to do is we're definitely going to parlay those two picks. Oh, too. for sure. We're for absolutely
0: sure. Doing yeah. Why not? Huge payday. Let's all go on vacation.
3: Well, I know <laughs> Chris won't do it because he's a fan, so and he doesn't want to hear it. But uh, the uh, the late night game tomorrow night, USC and Fresno State, is USC on upset right. alert tomorrow?
0: They, well, I, Clay Helton knows that he's coaching for his job, and I, I think the thing that I, the, the reason why it's a no bet game for me is because Fresno State has so much turnover on both sides of the ball. Uh, so we're going to see what Tedford is without all the weapons that he kind of inherited when he came in and took the job but USC Clay uh, Helton is he's coaching for his job every game early this season so he can't lose this game but at the same time he's given up complete offensive control to Graham Harrell now what's going on out at USC is that JT Daniels this you know wonder kid quarterback that they had last year he hasn't been able to grasp the concepts that Harrell has brought in from North Texas so I've you know, as a gambler, I, I you want when you gamble, you know, when you lay your money down, you want it to be on a sure thing. You want it to be on something that you can trust, a known constant, not a variable. And USC's offense right now, with JT Daniels not grasping the playbook of Graham Harrell, it's a question mark. So there's too many question marks on both sides of the ball. But it's going to be good fact finding for week two Betty.
2: I agree with you 100 that you can't trust anything from Clay Helton and his teams always underperform. And that's the yes. marquee of USC over the last couple of years is they underperform what the expectations are. One last one before we let you go, Colin. Uh, tonight, Colorado Colorado State, is there a play there that we should get in before 9 o'clock?
0: There's no player on the Colorado State defense that is good enough to control LaVisca Chenault and quarterback Steven Montez. I don't know exactly what the offensive play calling is going to be because we have new coaching with Colorado. I took them, I, I will say this, I have Plenty of money down at 10, and I had it at 11. Uh, That number has crashed from 13.5 down to 11, as we're talking right now. I am still, I mean, I know all of the money is on Colorado. I know all the tickets are on Colorado. There's nobody on Colorado State's defense that can tackle LaVisca Chenault and nobody that can take care of Steven Montez as a quarterback. So I'm saying this for everybody that's listening. If you're one of the kind of betters that says, I'm going to go against the public, then you're the kind of guy that's going to like Colorado State. I'm telling you, from talent, X and O's on the field, Colorado should do circles around Colorado State.
2: Beautiful. Thank you, Colin. We appreciate it. Have a great night. All right. Thanks, guys. That's Colin Wilson from the Action Network, one of our favorite guests here on ESPN 1000. I'm Chris Bleck with Adam Abdullah. He gave us the two big plays tomorrow. Georgia State over Tennessee. That line right now is 27. So it would be Georgia State plus the 27, and then Florida Atlantic against Ohio State plus – 27 and a half so you and i are definitely going to play both of those and then we're going to parlay both of them too that's not, what we're doing tomorrow i'm i'm, I'm betting, making you do it i'm betting on colorado i'm not well, listening we're to it also right going to play colorado as well not listening. black and abdallah we're going to go over a couple of our uh, favorite <laughs> over under win total bets for the college football season coming up next right here on espn 1000 under the hood with jonathan hood weeknights on
0: espn 1000 and the espn app
2: Chris Buck and Adam Abdallah in for Jonathan Hood tonight on Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Thanks to Sean Davis for producing tonight's show. Thanks for Colin Wilson for coming on the show this evening. We also talked to Jason Fitz, PJ Fleck, Nick Saban, all on tonight's program right here on ESPN 1000 Damn. and the ESPN app. So. Tomorrow, Chicago's College Tailgate returns for season two, episode one. At noon tomorrow, noon to 2.30, we will walk you into coverage of Duke and Alabama right here on ESPN 1000, and we'll talk college football with you tomorrow at noon. Black, Hood, Abdallah, three friends hanging out, watching college football, talking college football, placing bets, and getting ready for the college football Saturday. So this is what the studio is like after 8.45, huh? Oh, welcome. I'm, I'm glad you're glad you're here. It's the first time in a month, huh? It's been longer than a month. It's a running, running joke of the show. A running bit. If it's Guess the first. What? If Guess it's what, the first time listening, folks. I'm here. Congratulations. Uh, excited for uh, Chicago's College Tailgate tomorrow, and then we have a special show on Monday as well.
3: Yeah, uh, we'll be on from 3 to 6, leading you right into coverage of Notre Dame. We'll have a full recap of tonight's game, Saturday's games, Sunday's game. Uh, we'll talk about it all, and we'll of course we'll preview uh, the Notre Dame and Louisville game as that's the final game of the first weekend of college football. Uh, 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 one of the teams that we talked about taking the over in the win total, their win total was 9.5 going into the season. Notre Dame's is chris we ended up not taking that one we we do a college football uh podcast you can go to it uh on the espn podcast page and you can find it uh you can still probably get some of those in if they their first game hasn't kicked off we took we went through the uh top 10 teams in the country we did uh, northwestern illinois as well and we basically discussed their win total and then we picked the ones that we like the most and we bet on them
2: Yeah. So this is the way it works. Uh, So on the podcast, we came up with five stamps of approval. So these are the bets that we are saying are our best plays for win totals in college football this season. Um, We recorded the podcast over a week ago, so Clemson was in that category. You cannot um, bet on that anymore because they played last night. Uh, Utah was in the category as well, the over, the 9.5. That was a stamped pick. They played last night. They won last night. They beat BYU. But here are the ones that we have left that you can still play for this season. Michigan, we like the 9.5, the over, for Michigan, we both said that that would be a stamp lock. Mm-hmm. We said Iowa, the 7.5 to go under. Under. And that was a stamp. That's that That's plus
3: 140
2: as well. Yeah, so we are saying play the under for Iowa for the season, that they will go under the 7.5. And, and then the last stamp that we have was Iowa State. Their number in Vegas, the win total, was at 8. We said play the over for Iowa State. So Iowa State over, Iowa under, And Michigan over. Those are the three that you can play. We had two others that we gave away on the podcast. That's why it pays to listen to the podcast Mm -hmm. because it came out last week and we told you about Clemson and Michigan. I
3: also uh, spent like 10 minutes trying to convince you to take the Illinois over with me. But you don't believe in Lovey Smith or his beard. And I'm telling you. They're going to win six games this year.
2: What's funny about that is you tried to sell me on that, and then I gave you a whole bunch of extras that you weren't interested in. I was telling you about Minnesota over the Mm 7.5, Syracuse over the 7.5. They barely beat a
3: jackrabbit yesterday or whatever they're called. Still win. Actually, the Illinois over is only at 4.5, so they only need to win five games. And I think it would be fun to play the
2: under on West Virginia, the 5.5, because they're going to be terrible. Okay. People can play it if they want. They can go with your picks if they want to. You gave them. Black, Abdallah, Hood tomorrow, Chicago's College Tailgate. We will talk to you at noon tomorrow. Have a great night.